Happy 2013. Happy New Year. Um, I want to say welcome to our brothers and sisters from Siloam Springs. How wonderful to have you here. Also you, Alex. And God bless you. Um, for today's message, I'd ask you to turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12. And while you're turning there, let me just say that uh, this is a fun book because not only does it talk about the return of the Lord, but uh, the Thessalonians were one of the Apostle Paul's favorite churches. His affection for them uh, just flows through this letter, almost every line. You can sense his love and his affirmation and his commendation of this church. And um, much the way I know the elders feel about you all. So starting in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, verse 1, we read this. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own body in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now here, the Apostle Paul changes subjects just a bit. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Father, we ask you to anoint our minds and our understanding and our hearts today to hear your word. Father, we just are hungry for more of you more of your reality in our lives. And uh, we just want to stretch out our hands to you and say, feed us, Lord, by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. Help this not just to be a Sunday or a year that we um, are satisfied, Lord, with what's gone before, but a year where we stretch out to you to uh, further growth in Jesus Christ and pursue you as we never have before. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our body, 
what you're doing in churches throughout the city and the state and the nation. Help us to not draw back, Lord, but to press in and to move ahead. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you. Anoint this time in your word, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Well, the phrase that jumps out at me in this passage is the phrase, excel still more. Here's a church that Paul is happy with. He's proud of their faith and their growth in the Lord. And so what's he going to say to them? He says to them twice in this passage, excel still more. The word is perisuo, meaning to exceed a fixed amount or measure or number, to abound, to overflow. In the King James Version and the New King James, if you're reading those versions, instead of excel still more, it says that you may abound more and more. There's a few pictorial images. If you study this word, perisuo, there's a few pictorial images that are offered by scholars. The word means uh, the, the full bloom of a flower in, that has grown from a bud. So instead of a bud, you have this full blooming of the flower. Another image is of a faucet, a running faucet into a sink Uh, into a mug or a coffee cup, and the water is overflowing the rim of the cup. And it's as if uh, Excel still more, somebody has put their hand on the uh, faucet handle and turned up the volume of water that's draining into that cup. Another word picture is of food after a feast. Uh, There's been a feast And there's food left over everywhere. It's plenty. It's abundance. And this word is used um, in the feeding of the 5,000, emphasizing that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance. It's a kingdom of plenty. It's, uh, It's a kingdom of overflow. Let me just read that passage to you. So when they were filled... After eating, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over. And we, the word there if we, is that word that I cited early, perisuo, a form of it, uh, over and above left by those who had eaten. So, in this passage, I want you to um, focus your minds on this idea of excelling still more, abounding more and more. Paul's emphasis in this passage, uh, his first emphasis is holiness, isn't it? Uh, Specifically, sexual purity. And what a a powerful uh, message for our society today, as well as in his time. Um, The second emphasis he has is love of the brethren in verses 9 and 10. As you love the brethren, even as you love the brethren, do so more and more. And then the last emphasis is on working hard, industry. Be productive and let your life reflect in your community godliness and sobriety, which again is certainly applicable to today. 
this idea of working hard uh, is a good thing, uh, not a bad thing. But I'm uh, wanting to adjust the emphasis just a little bit similar, but uh, there are four areas where I sense the Lord saying to us, excel still more. These are the areas of prayer, the area of evangelism, uh, the area of good deeds, increasing in good deeds, and finally, uh, the area of cultivating joy. Let's take a look at each, each one of these in turn. First of all, in prayer, obviously, this has been um, a time of emphasis by the Holy Spirit for us on prayer. Amen? Uh, we have spent two years uh, in concerted prayer uh, through the Help Wanted Prayer Challenge, praying that God would lead those to us uh, that he has called to be a part of this body, and we have seen him answer. And last Sunday, as you know, we announced that we know God is asking of us to go further, another year. And um, I want to, as it were, look you in the eye and say, we need to take this seriously. This is not just an optional um, thing. I think we should receive it as a command from the Lord. Um, and so let's take this emphasis that the Holy Spirit has given us very very seriously. We stressed last Sunday the importance of praying together. And uh, though this is not an emphasis in our text, it is a few verses later in Thessalonians 5, verse 17. I'll start in verse 16 where it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. In Colossians 4.2, we read, be devoted to prayer or devote yourselves to prayer. And then let's turn over to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I think we may have read this uh, last week. Acts 1, verse 14. And this is answering the question, what was the early church doing before Pentecost? And uh, you'll note here that it says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Then Pentecost comes, and let's ask the question, what was the church doing after Pentecost? And in Chapter 2, verse 42, we read, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Preacher, preacher uh, Samuel Chadwick said that prayer is the acid test of devotion. Prayer is the acid test of devotion. So I want to ask you this morning, what would it take for you personally to exceed the measure of your current investment in prayer? What would, it, what would it take for 
the volume of water overflowing the rim of the cup to be increased, to be greater. Perhaps you could decide, make a decision right now to attend at least half or more of the Wednesday night corporate prayer meetings. Perhaps we could decide right now to pick up the intercessory prayer list on our way out of church this morning and make it a habit to pray through the personal needs in this body once a week. I know some of you do that, but wouldn't it be beautiful as if as a community we were having to print more and more of those intercessory prayer lists because so many of us were taking them home to pray through. What might God do if such a thing happened? Perhaps you could decide right now to reboot your quiet time if you've lost track of your devotional time in the Lord. Think about where and when and what time, how long you would pray. Perhaps someone could commit right now within themselves to, even though they haven't done it yet, to take an hour uh, the Saturday, last Saturday of January and join the prayer advance um, and be a part of our community praying together for the Help Wanted Prayer Challenge. Perhaps some of you might be interested in um, joining with the Missions Prayer Band at 9 o'clock, 9.15, upstairs to pray for our missionaries every Sunday. Do you remember how Jody shared last Sunday that praying with other people has kept her consistent, and we all need that. So I want to encourage us, I want to ask us, exhort us to put some legs to your good intentions. Put some legs to your determinations and exceed the measure, exceed the number. Let us abound more and more, amen? Let us exceed and excel still more in prayer. Now evangelism, um, I've had a personal burden for uh, growing in me the last several months. Um, I'm just curious, is that me? Uh, Or how many of you are also feeling a desire to be greater, more and more consistent uh, with evangelism, personal evangelism? I don't think I'm seeing enough hands. Could, Could we, at least those of you that have the hands, could you hold them higher? That would just encourage me. Yeah, good. All right. Well, we know the scriptures about evangelism, don't we? Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, do the work of an evangelist. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Proverbs eleven thirty: the wise man wins souls. And probably the best known one, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. But uh, I don't think most of us are satisfied with our efforts in evangelism, not satisfied with our willingness to risk, not satisfied with our level of boldness, not satisfied with our willingness to be rejected not satisfied with our skill set in turning a conversation to the gospel 
in a natural way. Certainly not satisfied with our consistency. In seminary, I had a good friend named Jim Park. I think I told this story years ago, but he was a West Point grad, and we, had, we would study together. We had a study group trying to write all the papers and take all the tests, and sometimes we would just marvel at this mountain of work ahead of us to, to accomplish in just a weekend or so. And it was overwhelming. It was just an overwhelming task. And uh, Jim had this wonderful saying, he'd say, let's move this mountain one boulder at a time. And uh, that has always stuck with me. And I'd like to apply that to this task of evangelism. Maybe we could uh, move one boulder and just read a few books on evangelism to stir up our spirits. Maybe we could decide to put some tracks in our car. Uh, or in our purse, or in our pocket to hand out to random people. Perhaps we could target a person at work, or at the coffee shop, or at a favorite restaurant, uh, just to pray for them and try to engage them, maybe hang out with them in an appropriate way, uh, and lead them to Christ. Maybe we could write a letter or send a book to a friend. Maybe we could host a Bible study in our home. The Bible says that we are adequate ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet it also says, stir up the gift that is resident within you. How many of you would say, I need a little stirring? I need a little stirring in my spirit. I want to invite you once again to attend the TCF follow-up ministry class uh, not, not so much today. Today is just for those who have signed up. But, uh, but think about setting aside um, eight weeks after church, starting in March, uh, March and April. And uh, even if you never go visit anyone, um, part, of the, part of the class will be to stir up evangelism and give you tools. Uh, we'll review old tools like the Roman road and the spiritual laws and some of the navigator's material and um, some apologetics about how to answer tough questions. But wouldn't it be wonderful to just be a lot more, uh, have our axes be a lot sharper and a lot more prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in us. So let's ponder how we can excel still more, how we can abound more and more in the area of evangelism. The third area is increasing in good deeds. Let's reread verses 11 and 12 in our text. Verses 11 and 12. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you may behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. There's a, a flavor here in these verses, a theme, if you will, of commendable living in your community. And that idea is really developed in the book of Titus, where Titus was ministering to the island of Crete 
Cretans were very rough people, considered liars and um, slow. Uh, Paul calls calls this idea of living commendable lives um, adorning the doctrine of God. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Adorning the doctrine of God. Letting our character, letting our deeds uh, reflect who Jesus is. Um, Let's turn there and just read a few verses. This is Titus 2, starting in verse 6. And we'll read just half a dozen verses. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. Now, if you were to read this book in its entirety, you would see that five times the Apostle Paul talks about good deeds. And I want to read the little phrases in which he does that. First, in uh, verse 7 of chapter 2, he says, Show yourself to be an example of good deeds. Then in verse 14, God has made a people for himself zealous for good deeds. Chapter 3, verse 8, be careful, be careful, it says, to engage in good deeds. Chapter 3, verse 14 says, engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to be ready for every good deed. Now, how often is it when somebody asks you to do something, your mind starts looking for excuses why you can say no? Uh, we've all had that experience. You know, you just, it's just like there's a Rolodex in your head of reasons, you know, that just go tick, 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 and you can almost uh, pull out one of those, the one that sounds best, and use that. But the scriptures are talking about having a readiness, having an eagerness, having cleared aside all the obstacles so you can say yes, you can be zealous. I remember... Years ago, ago, Dwight Seletsky came to TCF, and um, I hadn't scheduled him to speak at BASIC. I'd just forgotten about it, and I asked him on Sunday morning, and he displayed such a beautiful attitude. He wanted to speak at BASIC. He wasn't, in fact, he had another engagement that he figured out how to get out of so he could come speak at BASIC. Um, I just love it when I see someone eager to say yes, eager to serve. It's such a refreshing quality. Uh, And uh, so anyway, that's what we're being exhorted to here. So I want to ask you, what would it take to clear away a mindset of tiredness, of being overwhelmed, of low-grade depression, and a desire to withdraw? 
and replace it with eagerness. Replace it with engagement, readiness, and zealousness for good deeds. What would it take? I bet some of you need to get some sleep. <laughs> just, just get some sleep, some of you. You know, we're, we're running, 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 and I think if you could just get some sleep, you might uh, be much more ready for some good deeds. Uh, maybe you need to say no to some things so you can say yes to the right things. Anybody in that camp need to say no to some things so you can say yes to the right things? Maybe a sin or two or three are keeping you feeling disqualified. Uh, some sins, I think, do disqualify us, maybe from doing ministry, but most of them just cause us to feel unqualified, even if we've been forgiven. Uh, and so maybe there's some sins to let go of, to repent of, um, just so that you don't have that sense of shame or that sense of weight clinging uh, to you because of guilt. Maybe in some cases we're just being lazy and feeling sorry for ourselves. And again, repentance is needed. It's so easy to get into a funk, isn't it? And just kind of wallow around in poor me. And um, none of us are totally immune to that. Ephesians 2.10, though, has this such an encouraging word for us, where it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I hope you want to excel more in good deeds. I hope you want to come to full bloom to let that cup run over even with greater amounts. Finally, I want to talk about cultivating joy. Uh, because in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, we read, rejoice always. And it strikes me that there is, even though I think joy is a gift of the Spirit, there is, does seem to be a responsibility on our part to cultivate that gift. To rejoice always takes intentionality on our part. Joy is a disposition of heaven. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's different than happiness, isn't it? Happiness is much more about circumstances. Joy is that deep uh, inner security in Christ and in your relationship with him that allows you to have joy even if there's great suffering. It's a result of obedience, the scriptures say, and also of abiding in Christ. Again, it flows from that deep sense of security and relationship with Jesus. I'm really glad our worship team sang so many songs about joy this morning. There was a sense of, we're not going to withdraw. We're not going to go back. We're not going to let our love grow cold. We're going to press forward, and we're going to have joy. Thank you, Hallett, for hearing the Lord on those songs. Can we excel still more in our ability to rejoice? 
can we excel still more in our ability to rejoice? Just a funny little story. A couple weeks ago, I led worship, and, and uh, I was over here talking to Dallas during the greeting time, and Joel just came bouncing up to me, as Joel does, and he said, Jim, that was just the most wonderful worship. Thank you, thank you. It was just marvelous. And of course, I had really blown it that Sunday, at least one song. And uh, then he turned to Dallas, and he slapped him on the shoulder, and he said, wasn't that wonderful, Dallas? Wasn't that wonderful? And Dallas kind of, yeah, that was wonderful. And then Joel turned back to me and said, see, he thinks so too. <laughs> Joel knows how to rejoice. Let us express our delight in God and our thankfulness to him, the tremendous grace he has shown in saving us from our sins. In John 15, after an exhortation to abide in him, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I want to excel more in joy. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the difficulty, like Paul said, whether things are, uh, you know, whether I'm in want or in plenty, I want to rejoice in the Lord and cultivate joy. I hope you do too. So, as a way of concluding, I want to say here are some examples of concrete decisions we could make to excel still more. Because my hope is that as I'm reading these, as I've been speaking, that you will be making some concrete decisions. That you won't so much say, I'm going to go home and think about it, but you will just make some quality decisions uh, led by the Holy Spirit, of course, but things you can do just to excel still more. So here are some possibilities. Number one, carry some gusties and the little green tracks that we've produced. Um, are you rooted in a church pamphlets? There's some out here on the table. And carry those in your purse, in your car, in your... boy, Larry. Larry's got one. And um, give those out as you have opportunity. I, I found that actually giving the gusty out is very is quite easy. All I do is I say, you know, this is a gospel presentation. Um, I hope you'll read it, but if you don't, just give it to a friend. And uh, it's all it's easy. So number two, uh, determine to pray for one for our missionary of the week several times during the week. Um, who's our missionary of the week? Larabees. Let's pray for them, not just this morning, but let's pray for them several times this week, and, and let's do that each week. <clears throat> Number three, I think we can sign up for an hour of prayer on the Saturday morning prayer advance or, or Saturday prayer advance days. Especially those of you who have not done it, I would, I would encourage you to give it a shot. It, it's very rewarding and um, a way to invest in prayer, a way to exceed still more or excel still more. 
You might want to identify an unsafe friend or neighbor that you can hang out with over time and lead to Christ. As I mentioned, you might pick up the IPL and pray through it once a week. Um, One thing I've done recently is this open doors, five-minute email uh, persecuted church prayer challenge where each week open doors will send you a a one-page email description of a country and a persecuted believer in that country, and so you can be praying for them five minutes Determined to attend the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Is that this week, Bill? Okay, so I better be there, huh, after preaching this message. Um, but I'd like you to be there, too. Let's, let's consider um, really investing in that prayer meeting. You can plan to attend the TCF follow-up ministry class in March. When a serviceman is coming to your home, determined to invite him to church or to at least talk about the Lord. You might develop a plan at work to exemplify Christ-like behavior. You might cultivate joy by determining three things you are grateful for at the end of the day. I mentioned before I read a study from the um, therapy world called On the Science of Happiness that people who concentrate on gratefulness, depressed people who would uh, intentionally determine three things they're grateful for at the end of each day and then think a little bit about why that occurred, uh, were actually able to raise their happiness set point for up to six months. Just doing it for three weeks, they reported they were happier for six months. So the Bible, you know, tells us to do these things, to practice gratefulness um, And so that's something you can do to cultivate joy. Um, Determine you will hum or sing worship songs throughout the day to glorify the Lord. I love hearing Jim Garrett come into the church uh, during the work week week because usually there's uh, a booming song, a hymn, something coming. Reboot your quiet time. Come a few minutes early Sunday morning and pray for the service. Some of you have done that. We could decide to join a ministry of TCF, such as the Good News Club or others. We could join the missions prayer band before the Sunday morning service. Make a meal for a family that's going through a tough time. Identify someone who is hurting and reach out to them. Let me end by reading 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil in the Lord is not in vain. Would you pray with me? In fact, let's stand and pray together. And as I pray, would you please be listening to the Lord and be open to making some decisions about ways that you could excel still more, abound more and more in these areas. Father, we thank you for your word. Um, I trust that this is your word to us this morning. 
that you want us to excel still more, that you want us to abound to your glory and your lordship. So we ask you, Father, to, as we wait upon you, to speak to us about ways that you would lead us to do that. Help us not to be afraid, Father, of greater investment. We pray for any who are struggling with depression or just struggling within themselves and need a breakthrough, Lord. Um, If you are kind of in that boat where you want to be more free, you want to be less tied to the to the things going on inside you and be live more outwardly. Would you just raise your hand and I just want to pray for you. Father, we pray for these. We pray for greater freedom from self. Uh, you came to set us free, Lord. And so we pray for that divine freedom in Christ to live for you, live outside of ourselves. We pray for any who are who are struggling with depression, who are struggling with uh, just being caught by uh, little or big sins. We pray for freedom. We pray for deliverance. We pray for the power of the living God to set these free. Uh, We just thank you, Father, for the progress that you're giving us thus far. So, Lord, we do pray over these areas. We pray about prayer. Uh, We do pray that we would take this seriously in 2013, that you would help us uh, put action steps to um, our determinations that we might excel still more. We pray for evangelism, Lord, that you would stir the fires of evangelism in us, that uh, we would remember that Jesus was a friend of sinners and uh, that we would be more like you, Lord. We pray about good deeds, Father, that you'd sensitize us and help us to be rich in good deeds as your word exhorts. And then finally, joy, Father. Help us to uh, have that disposition of heaven, of joy, of gladness, of worship and praise. We bless you. We glorify you. We offer ourselves anew to you, Lord. And uh, ask that that question of how can I excel still more would be alive in our minds and in our hearts as we move forward into this year. We bless you and glorify you. You're so good. We love you, Lord. We honor you, O God. We praise you and we bless you. We thank you that you're not done with us, Father. And we uh, just look forward. I... Those who are suffering with a sick spouse or a sick loved one, we ask for special grace for the caregiver as well as the one who is ill, Lord. And we just um, give ourselves to you again in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.